Tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue down the, the teaching series of going through the alphabet, you know, and tonight's letter is F, and we'll be talking about fear. You know, fear has been there since we can remember in each and every one of our lives. It, it directs our steps even today. You know, that since we were little kids, there's been events and, and people that have placed fear in our hearts, fear in our minds, fear in our lives. You know, some of us have had parents that have, you know, walked away. Some of us didn't have parents at all. Some of us had good parents. Some of us had, you know, siblings, you know, aunt and uncle, grandparent. You know, some of our earliest memories are hooked to areas of fear and pain. You know, some of us got picked on it and in school and some of us were the, the bullies picking on others. Some of us learned different ways to mask our fear. You know, sarcasm, you know, anger. You know, we, we look to different outlets. You know, as young kids we you know we we turn to sports or we turn to, you know, music or arts or working out. There's different things that we we've used throughout the years to mask and hide our fear you know as we grow up you know we go through situations in our life that that cause a lot of pain you know one of my earliest memories with girls was the kids in the neighborhood played a prank on me and this one girl said that she liked me and everyone was hooting and hollering and and it came out to be a joke and through my entire junior and senior high, I never asked to grow up because I had this fear in me that I would be this rejected in that way. I was humiliated. You know, I was probably 10 or 11 when that happened, and it, it really hurt me very deeply. You know, and I was afraid to, you know, ask girls out. You know, there's traumas that happen to us in our, in our childhoods. You know, I was... You know, sexually abused, you know, and that I had problems with men. All men, I had this area in my life that I, there was this fear. You know, I had a lot of uh, physical abuse in my childhood. You know, so this area of fear towards authority. You know, there's these areas in our lives that have, have placed these deep wounds. You know, and as we get older, you know, we... we mask it with anger, we mask it with sarcasm, we mask it with fear, you know, and there's different ways that we overcome these things or we hide these things, we suppress these things, and, and many of us at early ages started using drugs and alcohol, pornography, you know, I, I think I was eight years old when I smoked my first cigarette, you know, there's, you know, there's areas in our lives that we, we've used things to cover up how afraid we are. I remember in, you know, in high school, in English class, that you'd have to do, you know, speeches, you know, and, you know, I would prepare this speech, and I would read it, and read it, and I wasn't very good in English, and I wasn't very good at writing, and I remember standing in front of the class, gripping the podium, shaking like a leaf, trying to read this speech, and I was so afraid of what people were going to think of me, you know, that I couldn't 
you know, I kept stuttering it, and there was just all this, you know, overwhelming fear that would go on when I would have these moments of public speaking, which were very few, you know, lo and behold, later in life, God says, here, let's put you in front of people and talk, you know, that, you know, we, we grow up with areas of fear, you know, and, you know, it directs our steps more than we realize, because who wants to really admit that they're afraid all the time, you know, and, you know, as I've learned, as I've gone through my life, you know, you know, I came to this place where I had this I don't care attitude. And what's really going on inside is I care so deeply and I've been hurt and rejected so much that I try to put this persona out that I just don't care. You know, and a lot of times that we, you know, I still hear people that say, well, I don't care. And I'm like, that's an instant sign that, to me that you care a lot and just you're hurt. And you don't know how to express that. You know, another answer is, I don't know. You know, what's going on? I don't know. What's going on? I don't know. You know, and it's a, f- a fear of, of really engaging what's going on on the inside. You know, a lot of times when it comes to God, people are afraid. You know, there's all this religiousness that gets thrown at us through, you know, our lives. And, you know, and... I know for me, I went through a lot of pain. So, you know, in my pain and fear, I rejected God and considered myself an atheist. You know, because, you know, how can there be this loving God if I've gone through such pain? You know, and in turning to addiction, you know, I remember, you know, stepping into this, you know, college environment and and beginning to, to use drugs that I was instantly accepted amongst this community where before in all of my adolescence, it was really hard connecting to people because I was very insecure, very broken. And, and, you know, I had a really hard time making friends when I was younger, you know, and I couldn't understand why people didn't like me. And, but I was pretty crazy. I was pretty obnoxious. You know, I was very codependent. You know, I'd get a friend and they would be instantly my only friend and I'd suck the life out of them. You know, and then they would reject me or, you know, I'd have complications with trying to keep friends because in in my fear of losing them, I'd draw too close. You know, and we do that in, in other types of relationships. We we get into normal relationships with a boyfriend or girlfriend and, and our fears manifest that, you know, we tell them that they're cheating on us. We tell them that they're lying in because there are all these fears of our childhood, you know, that's past wounds that continue to come to the surface you know so you know for me when I started using drugs and alcohol and eventually you know that helped me to suppress my fear and you know especially alcohol because you know when you're drunk you don't care about anyone you know and you know I had a completely different personality change when I was drunk that I was this carefree let's have fun you know and you know, that wasn't who I really was. So, you know, alcohol helped me to re-identify myself. You know, getting into relationships, you know, later in life. You know, I stayed with a a young girl in, in my teenage years, you know, after I got out of high school. You know, I was with her for three and a half years. And I could honestly say I did not like her at all after six months. But I was afraid that I was never going to get into another relationship 
So we played the breakup, go back out, break up, go back out. You know, I'd break up with her and she'd beg me to come back and I would come back and then, you know, she'd break up with me and I would call her, you know, and, the, and around and around we'd go. And it, it was pretty crazy. You know, every couple of weeks we're having a breakup, you know, and and we were both depressed and miserable, but we're afraid of being alone. So a lot of times we stay in these very dysfunctional, unhealthy relationships because we'd rather be in these dysfunctional, sometimes very abusive relationships than being single. You know, and we don't want to handle life by ourselves. You know, technically the Bible tells us that it's not good for us to be alone. But when there's been so much corruption and sin and, you know, in, in many different ways, that it's important that we are alone when we get saved for a while that, that heals, you know, some of the, this brokenness, you know. But it, there's a lot of fear in being alone and fear of trusting the Lord, you know, fear of getting sober. You know, I remember going to my first rehab and, you know, it, it was really, you know, okay, it's fine why I'm in here, but what am I going to do when I get out of here? You know, there was already fear leaving because I knew that I'm going to have to go back around people. You know, I'm going to be back in the same environments that I used. And I, I knew that I wasn't going to stay sober. And lo and behold, you know, I, I wasn't able to stay sober. You know, and then, you know, fear of different types of relationships, fear of intimacy. You know, a lot of times in all this pain, you know, we're fear to have success in our lives, that we sabotage ourselves before good things start to happen. You know, we're afraid of failure, so we never do anything, you know, and we go around and around. And I remember, you know, when I I got saved and, and you know, and sober and I'm moving forward and, and a pastor asked me, he's like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I was just, all this fear came over me, you know, and I used an AA slogan, which I, I don't care for at the time. I didn't care for it. One day at a time, you know, it's like. I don't want to think about the future, you know, but it's like, you know, I hate that aspect. I hated that aspect of, you know, just in the now, you know, this too shall pass. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I want to be so much further ahead. You know, we want the end result, but we don't want to go through the process. But I remember, you know, this hit me and, I, and it made me think that I was so afraid of where my future was going that I never put any effort into it and I just spent years going around in circles wondering why I never got anywhere and then it, it helped me to realize that you know if if I don't get a vision for my life that fear of being stuck in the same place for forever you know has kept me using because I have no hope for my future you know my life has sucked my life sucks now my life's going to continue to suck so I'm afraid to do the work because what if I do the work and nothing happens? You know, what if I turn my life over to God and I stay the same? What if this Jesus stuff isn't really real? What if it's just, you know, behavioral modification and, and this religiousness that controls your mind? You know, there's all these different thoughts that we have, you know, when we're unsaved and we start coming to church. But lo and behold, Jesus is real. You know, the Holy Spirit is this, this presence that wants to move in our life. That, you know, that we can slowly begin to build a relationship with God. That, you know, we're not alone in it. And there's fear in that too. 
you know, am I weird? You know, I, I remember when I first started coming, you know, to church, I'm going to be one of them Jesus freaks, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'd go out with people and we'd be in public and they'd start talking to people about Jesus and I would be like, oh my God, people are going to think I'm with them. You know, there was all this fear about people knowing that I was even saved now. And I'm like trying to figure out this Jesus stuff. You know, and people are telling people about Jesus and I'm like, oh, don't do that around me. It freaks me out. You know, it's like, you know, and it's like, I don't want this stigma of Jesus on me. You know, like, you know, there was fear. You know, what are people going to think when they know that I'm going to church? What are people going to think when they know I'm a Christian? You know, all this fear begins to rise up because none of my friends are saved. You know, and at some point, there's this line that gets drawn in our life. Is when the pain becomes great enough, we begin to face our fears. You know, and... I don't think that this is an easy thing because usually we we keep running from our fears. You know, that, you know, I'm a firm believer that drugs and alcohol and fornication and pornography and food is not really the problem. That's the symptom to the problem. The real issue is deep within us and, and the brokenness and the sin that's been in our life, whether it's the sin I've committed or the sin that someone's committed against me, that there's these wounds in us. And until we really go back into our past and begin to face, you know, the things that we went through, you know, and really begin to, to analyze and, and, and go through and, and look at it and pray through it and give it to Jesus and ask Jesus into these areas that this stuff still has a hold of us. You know, and we I've spent my entire life running from my childhood, running from my adolescence, running from the person that I, I used to be. You know, and here I am getting sober and saved and, you know, I'm having to kind of look at Tom, you know, and I don't really like what I see. But the truth of the matter is until I face myself, the old man that's still in me continues to win the wars. You know, how many times have I, I said that I'm I'm going to stay sober and didn't? How many times did I say that I was going to start to lose weight or start to eat healthy and didn't? You know, how many times did I say that I was going to get pure and didn't? Why? You know, it's not that there's the lack of want to. It's that there's areas in my past that still have all this woundedness, and I'm still using these coping mechanisms to to bury the pain because I'm still afraid to face some of these things. I'm still afraid to let go of some of these things. You know, I had all this fear getting sober because what are you going to do for fun? Like drinking every day and using Coke every day was a lot of fun. But in my mind, I thought that it was fun considering my, I was extremely depressed and suicidal. It's because I didn't want to face life. So I, I create this illusion, this fantasy, this denial because I'm afraid to really face who I really, really am. You know, and Jesus begins to give me the strength, you know, to start turning these things over and asking him to heal and asking him to change. And I think that when we first get saved, there's this giant grace period that really helps us to, to dig out a lot of stuff, you know, and gets our feet firmly planted on, on who he is. And then, you know, we're not done. There's still more stuff to, to uproot and to dig through because, you know, 
we get through a lot of things and yet there's still more stuff in us that that drags us down and, and you know sometimes we're afraid to really confess that you know i should have enough faith to get through this you know the truth of the matter is is every day i'm i'm doubting jesus but i'm afraid to confess that you know and what jesus really begins to do is that we can begin to boast in our weaknesses so that he can be shown strong and we glorify him that i have a, a wreckage in my past everybody here has wreckage in their past every one of us in here has a lot of stuff that we don't like to talk about you know but as we we take jesus into these areas and we begin to look at you know abandonment issues and rejection issues and abuse issues and we begin to say you know what jesus i'm ready to give this to you that the fear of those events and actually the identity in those events begins to get uprooted and our identity begins to be in Christ. And the fear that's gripped us for all these years begins to get removed because Jesus is moving and we can have this new relationship with the Lord. And that fear doesn't have to, to control our thoughts because we're turning this stuff over to the Lord and he begins to direct our steps and control and, and, and guide us onto his will for our lives because my will for my life is absolute destruction. You know, I'm 100% sure that everything I touch, apart from doing it Jesus' way, will end in a, a complete failure. You know, so I know that I can't do things without Jesus. And when you get saved and you've been walking with him, for a while, and you look back over your your life, and you're like, how did I ever survive without Jesus? And it's really a miracle that most of us are in here. Most of us should probably be dead. But, you know, Jesus has a, a different plan for our lives. What that is scares us, too. We're afraid if I give my life completely to Jesus, what's going to happen? I don't know. i got to trust Jesus. That freaks me out. So I'm going to, you know, control my own life real quick and throw some you know, Jesus on the side, you know, he's like, he's not the main course, he's like some mashed potatoes, you know, it's like, you know, I like to dabble, you know, it's like, I like a little bit of Jesus, but holy, all of Jesus, let him take control of everything, scares us, you know, and there's this, you know, there's this time that we have to decide that, am I going to continue doing it my way, which usually, for me, 100%, creates pain. Or am I going to begin to trust that Jesus can direct my steps way better than I can myself? You know, and there's this collision with pain and fear and faith and trust. It all comes into this collision course, and we have to make these decisions. And sometimes it's a moment-to-moment -moment type of decision because one minute we're like, Jesus, I'm ready to do it your way. And then we take one step towards them. We're like, this is freaking me out. I'm ready to go. You know, <clears throat> you know, and we have to catch ourselves like, no, no, no. You know, continue to do this. You know, I remember, you know, when I, the day that I was accepting the Lord for the first time, that the pastor said, whoever wants to accept the Lord, come to the front. And I get up out of my chair and I'm walking towards the front of the church. And it, it was like... It wasn't even a thought. Like, I was just kind of going. And I turned the corner, and I look, and I see all the people that are, like, looking at me, and all this fear came over me. Like, what are you doing? You're about to become religious. 
you know, so it had nothing to do with Jesus at that moment. It had to do with people thinking that I was going to be religious. You know, and I remember that that moment that I had. And it's like, do you want to accept Jesus? And I'm like, I don't know. Am I really ready to be religious? Because I had no clue of what was going to happen. You know, and I didn't accept Jesus that day, not because I wanted to go to he- heaven or I was afraid to go to hell. It's because I was I needed the pain to stop. And I've tried everything to make the pain stop, and nothing ever worked. So let's try this Jesus stuff. can't hurt me. You know, and I started going through the, the process of trying to figure out Jesus. You know, and I had to take all the things that I thought I knew, all the religiousness that I picked up through my life that I hated and I didn't like, and I had to put it on a shelf and say, now I have to rediscover Jesus. And how do I do that? I have no idea. So I have to begin to, to build relationships with people and ask questions and read stuff. And I don't like to read. you know. And I began to go on this adventure of trying to figure out Jesus. And lo and behold, Jesus shows up and changes my life. Just like he's changed every one of us in here. You know, many of us didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. You know, that a lot of times that we think it's one thing or we're trying to change one little tiny area and then we say, all right, Jesus, I'm ready to give you my addictions. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's cute. Let's do this. You know, and we, we give our heart to Jesus and he takes us on this whole other road. And we're like, whoa, I didn't sign up for all this. He's like, it's going to be great. Just hang on. You know, and we have all this fear of following Jesus. You know, I remember, you know, as Jesus began to challenge me in, in areas of my life that needed to get changed, you know, and letting go of areas of sin. You know, staying out of relationships, all this fear came over me. You know, letting go of pornography, all this fear came over me. You know, leaving the tattoo shop, all this fear came over me. You know, and there's all these decisions that that had to to have this this breakthrough through the pain and through the fear and saying, you know what, I'm tired of doing it my way. Jesus, I'm going to trust you. You know, and I remember, you know, I signed up to be an intern in the church, which is crazy. You know, here I am, a 30-year-old man, and I'm going to Christian college school with all these young kids. You know, they're all 18 to 20 years old, you know, and they're all dressed up, wearing American Eagle and, you know, Aeropostale and all that stuff, and I'm wearing shorts and a wife beer and a pair of flip-flops, and I'm like, here I am, you know. And I remember standing in the lobby that very first day, and I'm with all these kids, you know, and I'm this hardened individual by sin. They're all these, you know, kids that grown up in Christian school or Christian families, and I'm like, what are you doing? You're insane. I remember in my head, I'm just wishing that one of my friends from my past life would show up at the church and just like, Tom, you're insane. Come with me. And I'm like, I'm out. You know, I knew this was crazy. And I remember I'm standing there and I'm having this battle with fear. And you know, I've only been sober, you know, four or five months at that moment. And I remember the Holy Spirit kicks in at that moment and says, Tom, look how far you've come. And it like I flashed me over like four or five months. And I've been sober four or five months before, and it was nothing like it was this time. And it was like all right, I'm ready. I'm going to do this. And I remember 
Because normally I would have ran at that point. I would have, oh, I got to go home. Oh, something happens. You know, I'm out of here. You know, and poof, Tom disappeared. You know, and I remember walking through that fear. And all it was is really one step, one step through the fear and saying, you know what, I'm not running. And it was one step, and all of a sudden the fear disappeared. You know, that fear is this thing that we make up in our mind that truly, truly isn't real. That through our past, you know, circumstances and things that have happened to us and things that we've done, that we have this thinking that goes on that creates and manifests all this fear. You know, so most times we project fear on stuff that if we actually just step forward and trust Jesus, the fear isn't real. But the enemy uses fear over and over and over again because he's been directing our steps using fear and leading us into more broken relationships, more sin, more addiction. You know, we don't like facing reality, so we we pick up one more time. You know, and as we begin to trust Jesus and step through this fear, the enemy loses his strongholds on us. And, you know, his ability to control us becomes less and less. You know, as we resist the enemy and submit to God, the enemy begins to flee. Because the enemy truly doesn't have any power because Jesus has already defeated him. He defeated sin and death upon the cross. The enemy has nothing but a whisper. But he uses the loud echoing voice of our past that we still have not dealt with and he stands there and says what about this and remember that you know this is going to happen don't trust this person you know everybody's this way everybody's that way and it's just this loud echoing voice in our life and like you know what you're right and we begin to partner with the enemy even though jesus is standing over and saying i love you come over here and the enemy's like, no, you can't trust that dude. He's going to make you do stuff you don't want to do. You know, like, the enemy's not making us do stuff that we don't want to do. You know, we've spent our whole life in bondage to sin. You know, that whatever we allow to, to take control of our lives, that it truly is the master over us. That Paul says that my mind will be the master of my body. And our mind is renewed through the word of God. And our body is healed through the Spirit of God. You know, that our heart begins to get regenerated when we accept Jesus in, that it was hard and cold and broken and our conscience was seared. We accept Jesus in and our heart becomes alive for Him. That it's nothing about our own works, that it's all through His name. And that's Old Testament, that's Ezekiel. That when we accept Jesus in, the fear and the brokenness begin to get stripped away. But the enemy stands there with this megaphone just continuing to tell us that this is not going to work. And as we push through fear, and we realize that Jesus is real, that he is a living God, that it's not this philosophy, that it isn't this organism that's trying to control people because we're, we're brain dead and we need a crutch and we're just stupid. No, that there is this living God that wants to interact with us and that we begin to have this relationship with the God of this universe that had manifested himself through the image and the acts of who Jesus Christ is and what he did, that he died for us so that we could have freedom, and he ascended and released the Holy Spirit so that we could have intimate relationship with him each and every day, all day long, as much as we want. He's right there. 
all we have to do is say help you know that we can talk to him and he begins to to guide our steps and he even kind of chimes in every now and again when we're paying attention and we're not so distracted you know and we push through this fear and we begin to build this faith with the Lord and we begin to see over and over and over again how we we turn this situation over we deal with the situations we we biblically handle this situation this way and all the fear begins to drift away and we begin to realize that there's more to this than just the philosophy that there's a living God that's changing me from the inside out you know that <clears throat> it's so important that we realize that fear is one of the number one tactics the enemy uses. You know, there's a main theme that flows in and throughout almost every book of the Bible is do not fear, fear not. You know, there's over 365 verses that address fear. That God might have known that we were going to have an issue with fear. You know, I am with you. Do not be afraid. You know, he is with each and every one of us. It doesn't matter how much sin you've committed today. And that manifests fear. Well, I'm not worthy to come to God because I messed up today. So we, we allow the fear to keep us from the Lord. But I remember as I started putting one step in front of the other step and one another step, and I started kind of pressing through, and, and initially it was just about staying sober, you know, and, and lo and behold, this encounter with God begins to change my life that things started getting better and better and better, you know, and I remember I was standing out in front of the tattoo shop and I had only been sober a short amount of time. And it was really one of the first times I heard the Holy Spirit. He says, life's not bad, is it? I'm like, I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, that's freaky. I'm going inside. You know, and it's like, Holy smokes, is that like a real thing? And I'm not saying it was like an audible voice, but it was like prominent enough inside of me that like, whoa, I was like kind of thinking, and all of a sudden I'm hearing, and it was like, whew, you know. And I just started to really allow Jesus to move. You know, and I remember it was shortly after that that, you know, I was staying sober, and I was staying out of relationships, and I, I gave up my secular music, and I quit smoking cigarettes, and I'm reading my Bible, I'm reading The Purpose Driven Life. I'd only been saved probably like eight weeks tops. And my life had been so drastically different in that short amount of time. You know, and I remember saying to myself that, if all this has changed, and I've just done this a little bit, what's going to happen if I commit to this Jesus stuff? You know, and the enemy instantly begins to attack that, because he knows that if I lay my life down for Jesus, everything's going to be different. And it's like, well, you're going to have to let go of this, you're going to have to give up that, you're going to have to not do this, you're going to, you know, it's all these rules begin to come over me, and it's like, I'm not following the rules. I don't know what the rules are. I'm too new to know what the rules are. So how come I'm having this bombardment of rules? And I remember just saying, Jesus, I want to serve you. And it began part, you know, it began to be part of my prayer. Jesus, I want to serve you. Jesus, I want to serve you. 
and I, I said it, you know, every morning, and, and it became part of my, you know, prayers. And I remember I said it one morning, and it's like I heard the Holy Spirit laughing at me. And it wasn't like a ha ha. It was like, <laughs> you know, like oh, that's cute. You know, you want to serve me. And I remember, like, it, it kind of made me stop because it's like, you know, why is the Holy Spirit kind of giggling at my prayer to want to serve Him? And I remember that He said, do you even know what that means? And it kind of stopped me for a second. And I'm like, no, I really don't know what that means. But I know that you've changed me so much. And I've just given you this little bit that I want to give you my life. Because I believe that if I give you my life, that you're going to change me so much. But I'll never go back to drinking and drugging. And he began to set my feet on this course that is my life today. And I say it all the time. You would not be able to convince me of the life that I have today. Ten years ago. Eleven years ago. Because I, would have, I wouldn't have been able to believe it. I wouldn't have been able to wrap my mind around what God was going to do when I finally just let him take control. You know, and don't get me wrong, fear still happens. You know, it manifests itself in different ways. You know, we get angry over things. We get anxiety over things. We get depression over things. You know, that's fear's way of trying to get and weave itself in. And sometimes it's still in, and Jesus is trying to get it out, and we don't know how to let go of it because we've been hanging on to it for such a long time that we don't know who will be if we let go of the person that we once were. You know, so it's important that we're asking him for the courage to overcome. You know, because every one of us in here has some area in our lives that's scaring us right now. Because that's just life. Because deep down inside of us, we want control. And our, our fear of releasing control prevents us from truly letting Jesus have his way completely. We like the idea of being saved. We like the idea of going to heaven. We like the idea of him taking some of our, our painful stuff. But what if we really let him in and he takes some of the stuff that we still kind of enjoy? What? But I like that one, Jesus. Like, let me have it. Trust me. You know, and as we we turn our complete life over him and say, Jesus, I'm ready to surrender. And it's not a one-time prayer. You're going to have to pray it sometimes a hundred times a day because you just want to take your will back. But as we keep putting one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, saying, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. You know, that prayer was birthed out of so much fear going on inside of me that I wanted to run away. And so often when I'm praying, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. There's tears flowing down my cheeks because what's going on on the inside is all this manifested fear. And the worst case scenario is going to happen. You might as well just run away. And the list goes on and on of the ways that the enemy attacks me. And I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. And I pray that prayer over and over and over again as I walk through fear. Because I know my ability to handle the fear that's going on inside of me doesn't work real well. But as I turn that over to the Lord, 
and ask him to walk me through it. And a lot of times I sit still when I want to run away. That lo and behold, Jesus shows up and he makes it better. That I don't always agree with what he's doing. There's been a lot of times in, in my, my walk with him that I'm in absolute disagreement. But he says it so many times, just do it this way, just do it this way, just trust me, come this way. I'm like, you know what, Jesus, this is not going to work, but here I go. And we pop out the other side and we're like, okay, that was amazing. You know, and I guarantee, you know, many of us have already had one of those experiences. And yet tomorrow we'll do it again because he challenges us to trust him. He challenges us to have faith in him. He challenges us to love him. And he asks us to let go of the man and the women that we used to be and all the events that have created the brokenness that's in us, that he asks us to turn those stuff over. And sometimes we've been gripping it for such a long time, we don't know how to let go. And we're afraid to let go because there's deep-rooted identity in some of this stuff. But as we begin to face our fears, that we begin to recover, we begin to heal. You know, in the acronym, you know, there's different ways that you can look at it, but it's fear is, you know, forget everything and just run. Or you face it and recover. Face everything and recover. You know, and fear is one of these things that is going to always be there. But it's an illusion. It's not real. It's like if we turn off all the lights in this room, that darkness would set in this room. But darkness in itself is not a real thing. Darkness is the absence of life, light. So the second you turn on a light, darkness disappears. And fear is the same way. The second I, I take a step of faith, fear disappears. Now, darkness and fear can reappear when light and faith are not in that moment. And we have to recognize how fear is continuing to, to keep us from where God wants to take us. You know, and it's important that we're asking the Lord for courage, where we can ask him to take our fear. But normally he wants to, to instill the courage to overcome those fears because if the fear just gets removed, we'll just move on to some other thing that we're afraid of. But when we begin to gain courage to overcome one fear, we begin to really gain courage to overcome any fear. Because we watched how Jesus walked us through the last one, that Jesus is going to begin to walk us through all of them. And the enemy continues to try to keep us ensnared in fear because he knows that if we get in right standing with the Lord and we put our faith wholly in him, that there's nothing stopping what God can do in a surrendered man or woman. You know, and a lot of times it's the fears that keep us stuck in these places that we don't even really want to be. You know, so it's important that we, we recognize that this stuff is still there. It's there in me. I guarantee it's there in you. And it, it's not acting like, oh, no, I don't have any fear. No, it's like I'm afraid of what, you know, what's going to happen. So, Jesus, I need you, and I need people around me. And the more that we get unified together, and it's not like we have a scaredy cat bunch and we just manifest our fears together and glorify fear. No, it's like, no, I have this area that I'm afraid. 
and I need prayer and I need Jesus. And as we begin to bring the darkness into the light, the fear disappears. A lot of times we have these irrational fears, and the second we begin to talk about it, we realize how silly that is. Because it's the enemy with a megaphone secretly screaming in our ear. And the second we say this or that, we realize that Jesus is so much bigger than that. I don't have to worry about that. So I just really encourage you, the next time that you're really struggling, kind of analyze for a second, what am I afraid of? What's really going on on the inside? What voice am I listening to? Am I listening to the enemy or am I listening to God? You know, and it's important that we recognize it quicker and quicker. You know, when I worked my fourth step for the first time, and this is even pre-Jesus, as I started looking through the events of my life, all the anger that I held on to was really fear. You know, and as I began to process the fear and look at the fear and, and ask the Lord, ask God at that moment to take my fears, he began to change my life. You know, and I used to be a very, very angry man. You know, and don't get me wrong, I, don't, I have moments, but it's nothing like it ever used to be. You know, I, I never could turn it off. Now it just comes and goes. When, so I just really encourage you, the next time you're really struggling, the next time that your mind is racing, you know, try to look at what it is that you're afraid of and ask Jesus into that spot and take a step. You just bow your heads in me. Lord, we just thank you so much that you're so much greater than our fears. You're the light in the midst of the darkness, Lord. You are the truly the light that, that illuminated this world. Lord, we ask that you would have complete your way in us, Lord, that you would stand at every door and knock, Lord, until we open up the secret places of our heart and allow you into the depths of who we are. Lord, there's no area in our lives that you cannot heal. There's no area in our lives that you cannot teach us to overcome. So, Lord, we ask that you would come into the areas that we're still afraid, the areas that we're still broken, and begin to guide us out and begin to heal us. Help us to let go and to trust you. Help us to be willing to take that next step with you. Lord, we just we need you so much to guide us through these areas of fear because it truly ensnares us. It truly keeps us stuck. Lord, and we don't want to be in some of these places that we're still in. Lord, we want to trust you. We want to walk forward with you. But fear keeps us from making the, the next right step. And Lord, we ask that you would begin to come and renew our mind and heal our hearts and direct our steps. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.